Good morning, Pansy Chapel. How are you guys doing this morning? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what to say. I was thinking about saying, put your feet on the coffee table and grab your coffee, but I don't even like that. I wish that you would stand up like I am. I wish that you would, uh, I don't know, do whatever you need to do to engage with the Lord this morning. He is so good. And i got to tell you, i got to throw a shout out to Corny Sawatsky today. Corny, you will be very proud of me. This morning, as I was praying at home and just contemplating some of the words that I'm about to share here that I think the Lord put on my heart for us this morning, I was really, I started humming and whistling a tune at home, and I didn't even know at first what tune it was, and then I realized later, oh, it's that hymn, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And now this morning when I got to church, I just realized I needed to listen to that so I could sing along with someone who knew every, all of the words and the right melody and the right tone and pitch and all that. And so I, 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 Corny, I listened to Bill and Gloria Gaither sing that song and they did it fantastically. And I loved it. I, I actually repeated it more than once. And I just feel like the Lord has given me that the words in that song i, I got to admit, I don't listen to the Gaithers a whole lot. But the words in that song are just, they line up exactly with my heart. And just the desire to focus that far forward, that, that's where, what I'm anticipating. When that role is called up yonder, and there's a roll call, and when, he, when the Lord gets to Delan Barkman, I want to be able to put up my hand and say, here I am. Whew, it's good. Just join me in prayer. Oh, Lord... I can hardly wait. Could you fill us with that desire, Jesus? Could you make that real to us? How amazing that day will be. Lord, and I know that we just have these simple human, very limited brains. But I pray, Jesus, that in whatever way would channel our hearts to think and feel the right emotions that would line up with the excitement and enthusiasm of that day. I pray, Jesus, that you would allow us to imagine it in that sense that our hearts would begin to be aligned with yours and that we would be filled with anticipation as we face forward to that day. Oh, Holy Spirit, could you just come? I already sense that you're doing another work, a greater work, and a furthering, a continuing of your work again this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and stir. Give me words. Take the words out of my mouth if that's what you wish. But come, Holy Spirit, and could you take the very English human words that are spoken and could you turn them into the kinds of words that will penetrate hearts this morning? And could you, Holy Spirit, convict or encourage each one of us with whatever portion of this, or even bring something completely new and unrelated to our minds this morning as we just open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit, Almighty God, and the very awesome Son of God, Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen. Whew. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2021. When you guys celebrated the clock turning from 2020 to 2021, were you kind of sad to see 2020 disappear into the distance? Or was it kind of like a good riddance party? 
all of the people right now in Pansy Chapel, other than me, which is like one person, I just saw him nodding his head. So I think it was a good riddance party for some of us. But it was 2020 was a year that I would say had a new level of sadness for us. And when I think about people in, inside of Pansy Chapel, it was everywhere, but inside of Pansy Chapel, here's some of the things that I saw that th- made me think there's a new level of sadness that we experienced in 2020. I witnessed some people becoming discouraged in their faith for a variety of reasons. That makes me sad. Some of our families had the difficulty of grieving through a funeral, grieving through the loss of a loved one, but in addition to the normal process of grieving and all that heaviness that goes with that, not only that, they had to then celebrate the life of their loved one with a restricted number of people, sometimes forced to invite who will come to celebrate the person's life through a service at a funeral. And there's extra sadness that seemed to get piled on. We experienced people being lonely in hospitals, desiring for visits from their family in a care home when they couldn't have it. We've experienced separation from friends, separation from family, to a new level that we have not experienced before. We experienced separation from family gatherings that we haven't experienced before. And there is the occasional person in Pansy Chapel, and I think of them by one or two, or maybe even more by name, that are probably not horribly sad about that. But for generally, we are actually experiencing a level of sadness because we're designed to connect with people. There are people in Pansy Chapel that in 2020, they were, they were passionate about their ministry, and their ministry opportunity got taken away from them. And I'm thinking of uh, the adult Sunday school class, for instance, or the ladies Sunday school class. And there's other ministries in the church that maybe had the opportunity to, to continue, but they had to jump through hoops to do it, and that came at a cost. And it just feels like there's a sadness that comes with all of that. Even the weddings that happened inside of our congregation here in 2020, they, they still had that joy and anticipation of the future, and yet there was a little bit of a somber tone, especially leading up to the wedding in the planning stages, when brides and grooms had to maybe change a venue to make it suit the restriction or shorten their invitee list to accommodate the restriction, and there was tears involved with that. It's been a tough year. And that actually makes me sad. Who would have thought that so much of the world would be compelled to take such drastic measures to fight against this little COVID virus? Those drastic measures are unprecedented. That was a word that was really popular in April. Now it feels like that word has fallen off already because... It's no longer unprecedented. It's becoming almost like a new kind of normal. But realizing that those kinds of drastic measures can happen has caused some uncertainty about our future because we didn't see that coming. 
Now what's coming next? But there's a blessing under that. There's a blessing there. And the blessing is that it's very clear what we should depend on if we want to have certainty in the church. Or I could rephrase that and say it's very clear who we should be depending on if we want to have certainty in the church. And it makes it obvious that if we were depending on a lack of restrictions to give the church stability, then we were depending on the wrong thing. And so the question could actually be asked, are we a church? Are we still a church when we can't meet in person? Or you could ask that same question in kind of a different way. You could suppose it from this perspective. Imagine that an outsider would ask this question. To Pansy Chapel, are you still the functioning church of Christ, or should we expect something else? And the way that question is worded actually reminds me of the question that John the Baptist told his disciples to go and ask Jesus. It's in Matthew 11 if you want to look it up, but John the Baptist sent his disciples to go ask Jesus this question, are you the Christ or should we be expecting someone else? And Jesus didn't, it seemed like a yes or no question, but Jesus didn't say yes or no. He just said this. He said, well, go back and report to John what you're seeing and hearing. And then he started giving a list of the things that they would see and hear. The blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. People are being healed from the diseases. The deaf are hearing, receiving their hearing back. And the dead are raised. And the good news is being preached. And that report will have been enough for John the Baptist to know that is the Christ. And so when I think about this question to the church, are we still a functioning church even when we can't meet in person? Let me give you this report. Even in a, and you can decide for yourself. I won't even tell you the yes or no answer. But even in a year like 2020, when we cannot meet in person, and when during those seasons when we can't meet in person, people are using their spiritual gifts to serve each other and to serve the Lord. They are working together as a body with many various a variety of parts. And there are more church family members being added to our number And we are sharing our burdens and praying with each other, spurring each other on in the Lord, growing in our love for Jesus, studying and memorizing His written word and depending on the Holy Spirit in steps of obedience. And disciples are being made in a very intentional way. In fact, some in Pansy Chapel would even describe 2020 as a year of spiritual breakthrough. It is the year in which they have been the closest to Jesus that they have ever been. So 2020 hasn't been all that bad. Winnipeg's own Give the Word has had its record number of requests for Bibles in 2020. At Pansy Chapel, among other things, among many other things, we have heard sermons from ten different Holy Spirit-inspired speakers. And it doesn't feel like a coincidence to me that back in March, 
When the restrictions first hit us, we were just going through a series of messages about the vision and mission of Pansy Chapel. And the vision, if you guys were around for that series, you will have seen exactly this slide before. And here's the vision for Pansy Chapel. Why don't you guys read the whole thing with me as if it were in yellow? Here's the vision. To know God and to make Him known from Pansy and beyond. And the mission, which kind of explains the how we are going to accomplish the vision, says we're going to do this by nurturing intentional relationships with the triune God and each other, focusing on the truth and living out His love. There is no amount of COVID or restrictions related to COVID that are going to prevent the church from accomplishing these things. COVID and its restrictions might change our strategy, but it does not change our goal. And it does not change the opportunity for us to accomplish our goal. Let me give you a few examples. For instance, where it says we are focused on the truth, we are living out His love. A year ago, I don't even know if I would have known what a curbside delivery is, other than if I had maybe ordered a pizza or something. But in 2020, many of us in this church have delivered or made a curbside delivery, and all of us have experienced the love of Jesus from receiving a curbside delivery. And there's something special about that. You know what it is? A curbside delivery takes being intentional. You don't accidentally deliver something to someone. It requires intentionality. Just like a text or a phone call or an email to somebody doesn't accidentally happen. Those kinds of things that we can still do under these restrictions require intentionality. You don't accidentally do that just because you pass somebody in the foyer. They require doing it on purpose. And 2020 has been a big season of an opportunity to show intentional acts of love. We've seen children born into our church family. We've seen other children become fostered by loving parents or continue to be fostered by other parents. It was people living out the love of Jesus that spurred on adoption to bring children from very bleak circumstances and see them planted under suspicious divine timing into a loving home and into a country in a province that has health care that was certainly had divine timing attached to it. It was the same love of Jesus that saw Pansy Chapel hold its first ever private parade in March. It was focusing on the truth of Jesus that saw Bible studies continue even when they had to sit six feet apart. It was early in the year. I saw guys in in D19, that was a discipleship group, circle almost this entire sanctuary because to get 20 guys in here all sitting six feet apart made such a big circle we took up almost the sanctuary. 
because we were focusing on his truth. It saw some of those other groups using tools like Zoom or Right Now Media because they were determined to continue learning and growing together. It was focusing on his truth that allowed us to see nine baptisms happen inside of our body. Those baptisms happened in seven separate services down by the creek in a new location because our, our familiar location by the creek was flooded. And 2020 was a year of some other unexpected firsts. On March 22nd was the first time that Pansy Chapel ever had to close its door to a public gathering because of pandemic-related restrictions. And I am ever thankful that we were already live-streaming our services prior to that, so we just needed to continue. Thank you, Lord. And we have the technology to connect, even when we can't see each other in person. And I am very grateful to the Lord for those things. And about a week later, the church went through a very interesting process. We had just decided, after seeking the Lord's face and spending much time in prayer, we had decided as a church that we were going to give a substantial amount of money away. And then the restrictions hit. And there was uncertainty. And there was a question of whether or not we should maybe pause on the giving just to make sure, to, to kind of safeguard ourselves to see what would happen. But after praying about that, we felt like we needed to just, we had already decided, we felt like the Lord wasn't surprised by those restrictions, and so we ought to just continue on with what we felt Him leading us to give. And we did. And I'll tell you this, if you want to attend a membership meeting in about a month or two from now, you can tell, you can come and you will see how the Lord has taken care of us. Even financially. I don't know if you're going to attend that membership meeting by Zoom or in person, but I do know that you will see the Lord's faithfulness at that meeting. On June 28, another first we started having two Sunday morning services. Pansy Chapel had never done that before. And Steve Perteau preached that morning. Thank you for breaking the ice, Steve. And those two services gave a lot of extra ministry opportunity for people in our church. <laughs> It gave an extra ministry opportunity for our ushers and our sound guys and the worship team and some Sunday school teachers who were teaching in one service and attending the other and some Sunday school teachers were even just teaching in both services. It increased the workload for many of our volunteers in, in all of 2020. As Just as an example, let me tell you this. On a typical year... The elders meet about 14 or 15 times in a year. In 2020, the elders met 42 times, almost exactly triple. And that's not the only work that they do, but I want to say those things to give you an idea 
This has been an interesting year of many firsts. And I don't know the exact stats, but I also know that groups of people that are working more behind the scenes, like the Education Committee, for instance, their workload also will have tripled or something like that as they responded to varying levels of restriction and tried to accommodate classes and all those things. And then somewhere in 2020, we snuck in a photo directory. (laughs) That photo directory, again, I just think I can see it clearer now after we've made it than before. But I see the Lord's timing on that too. Because I sometimes look at that photo directory in my office And I love seeing the pictures and the faces of the people that belong to this family. And listen to this. In 2020, we've experienced victory. We've witnessed firsthand victory over demonic oppression in Jesus' name through means such as a Zoom call. Praise the name of Jesus. When I think about how faithful God has been in 2020 and how real our relationship is with Jesus in spite of these difficulties and how relevant the Holy Spirit is in the church today, I am compelled to move forward with resolve. I am compelled to move forward like this, like a person who would walk in a blinding snowstorm, in a blizzard, that they might have to pull the, the hood over their face to protect their face from the biting snow and the howling wind and the cold. But they don't stop walking. They just walk forward with a resolve. They are not stopping. They might have to put their head down to fight the wind, but we're not stopping. Another unexpected first about 2020 is this. I don't think there has ever been a year where I have heard more conspiracy theories than in 2020. The events of this year have gotten people asking questions, a number of questions, but just one as an example, of what exactly is the mark of the beast and who will be the one to enforce it. And you can read about that in uh, Revelations 20, talks about it as well, but it's talked about very specifically in Revelations 13 and 14. And I want to point out three things about about those two chapters that I want you to think about. And I'm not even putting the Scripture up on the screen. I want you to go home and research this if you feel it's appropriate. But I'm going to point out three things in Revelations 13 and 14 that you should notice when it talks about the beasts and the mark of the beast. Number one, I want you to look in your Bible and consider how many times the word worship is used. You will realize when you read that and consider that, that where you channel your worship is key. And Christians have always been worshiping Jesus. We worship Jesus, and we will continue to worship Jesus. And so nothing has changed. Number two, I think it's important to look. In chapter 13, it becomes very, very obvious. 
that whoever the beast is that makes war against the Christians, he did not create his own authority and his own power. It was given to him. The God that we worship is sovereign. He has a plan. And when those beasts receive their authority and their power, it will not come as a surprise to God, and it will not come as a surprise to anyone who is reading the written word of God because he prophesied about it almost 2,000 years ago. And those beasts, whoever they are, they will be given authority for as long as God pleases. And in his sovereign timing, God will remove their authority when his timing has been achieved. And the third thing that you should notice in those two chapters is this. The conclusion is so obvious. This calls for patient endurance on, and faithfulness on the part of the saints, on the part of Christians, on the part of followers of the way. And by the way, every time someone reminds you of another conspiracy theory, you would do well to read Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 to 13. Actually, the first line in verse 14 is very appropriate too because it says that the Lord is our sanctuary. But the premise of it is this, that we as Christians have a mandate not to fear what the world fears, but we have a mandate to fear the Lord. That has not changed in 2020. That won't even change in 2021 regardless of what happens. Because it's been that way for thousands of years. We know this. And I think that maybe everybody listening to this already knows this part. We are all going to stand before Jesus or kneel before Jesus one day to give an account of every thought we've ever had, every intention of our heart, and we're going to be called to account for every resource we have ever been given and how we chose to manage it in this lifetime. That is coming. And yet it's not only then that we're going to be judged because Jesus right now is evaluating the church. And Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3 give examples of what such judgment of Jesus looking at the church right now could look like. And if you read those two chapters, you'll realize that sometimes when Jesus looks at the church, he's incredibly disappointed. That's an understatement. He even threatens to remove their lampstand from its place. He's in threat, he, and it's not an idle threat. It's a warning that what makes a God-fearing, Christ-following church a church is going to be removed if they don't change. And yet, he also mentions the things that, are, that please him. And he says these are, as words of encouragement to the church, he points out areas where they're doing well. And I want to look at three of those areas where Jesus looks at the church and he says, this you are doing well. I want to just look at three of those this morning. Revelation 2 verse 3 says this. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. I just want to point this, stop right there and, and real, say this. 
This is reiterating what Revelations 13 and 14 make very obvious, as do many other scriptures, that Christians are called to persevere and endure hardship. And he commends them because and have not grown weary. Wouldn't it be awesome to hear that word one day? Wouldn't it be awesome that if Pansy Chapel had to stand before the Lord, we would get to hear the words, I recognize that you guys have not grown weary. Now let me just talk about that a little bit. Being tired or feeling weary and worn out is not wrong in itself. We're human, and the Lord knows how we were made. He knows that we're just dust. He gets it, and He's compassionate. The question is what you do when you're weary. Let me just ask you a question. Let's just use the Apostle Paul as an example. Do you think that the Apostle Paul ever got weary? Yes, he did. He was, he was so weary at one point, and I put the scriptures on here so you can study for yourself, but in 2 Corinthians, you'll realize in chapter 1, he was so weary that he even despaired of life itself. That's weary. But in that same passage, he points out two particular things that got him through that time of weariness because it's so important what you do when you are weary. And he credits two things, and you can check your own Bibles later to see if what I'm saying is true, and you can be a Berean believer like that. But number one, he said he learned to rely on God, who delivered him from that despair. That lines up with what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight when Jesus said, Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's where you find rest for your soul is in Jesus. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you need to go get something that the world has to offer to find rest. You need to find it in the Lord. And the second thing that Paul goes to in 2 Corinthians 1 when he's, when he's describing what got him out and through that time of despair, he credits the prayers of the fellow believers around him. Because we as Christians have a mandate to carry each other's burdens. And in that way, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ. We have a mandate as Christians to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with that in mind, we ought to be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. That's our mandate as Christians. Those are the secrets to not growing weary. Wouldn't it be good to hear those words one day? You are those who have not grown weary. Jesus, we will need you in order to not grow weary. Thank you that we can come to you at any time because you are always with us to the very end of the age. Oh, I love you, Jesus.
Let's look at another encouragement from Jesus to the church. In Revelations 2, verse 10, he says this, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Let me just pause for a second. Jesus is not promising them to take away their problems. And he is not saying that if you follow me, your life is going to be just fantastic and easy. It's going to be fantastic having life in Jesus, but he's not promising that it's going to be easy. In fact, he is telling them in advance. He sees that suffering is about to happen to them. And he says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. And I love that he says, for 10 days. It's not 11 days, it's not 12 days, 10 days, that's it. And I don't know exactly what the 10 days means. Is 10 days a literal 10 days, or is it symbolic for 10 years, or does it really mean a, a, a hundred years? I don't know. But it's awesome and exciting to me to think that Jesus knows how long the period of time is, and he, it has a decisive end because he will only allow it to happen until he wants it to end. And the promise is that if we are, what's the word? He says, be faithful, patient, endurance, faithful, even to the point of death. And I'll give you life as your victor's crown. He says, you are going to have life in eternity with me if you persevere through these things. You're going to have to buckle up for 10 days. But day 11 is coming. And I think these Christians were thinking, in this church, they were focused on day 11. They were not thinking about all the days 1 to 10 because they realized that persevering isn't just, well, I might persevere this week if the circumstances allow it. No, they were thinking, I am planning to persevere to day 11 if the Lord allows me to live that long. That's the resolve that I desire for Pansy Chapel. That's the resolve that I desire in my life. That on day 11, I will still be working at whatever I do with all of my heart. And that we will be doing, we will be working for the Lord with all of our heart as those serving the Lord, not men. Because we know that we are going to receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That makes me excited thinking about day 11. Let me, let me just ask you a different question. I want you to do something with me here. I want you to imagine something. Imagine a church. And not just the building, but the people in it. Okay, The, the body. The body of the whole family of the believers inside the church or that would make up the church. And imagine a church that is doing good deeds. They are engaging in activities that are good and God-honoring. And this church is showing love. They've experienced the love of Jesus, and they're passing it on. 
They are demonstrating their faith. It's not just something that they know in their head. It's actually something that they are demonstrating by living it out. And they are serving God. They are not worried about what man thinks. They're already serving God. And this church is in the process of persevering. Maybe they're on day two, but they're heading for day 11. Would you like, this is, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one's very easy, so please answer it out loud, wherever you are, okay? Would you be happy to be part of such a church? Yes. That's a fairly obvious question. Let me ask you a trickier question, which if you want to, you can answer out loud, but if you're not sure, you can just think about it. What would you do if you attended that same church that was doing all five of those things? And then the church stretched its muscles a little bit and reached for more of all of those things. Would you be just as excited to be part of that church that was looking for more? Maybe... They were looking for a new level, if you will, of all of those five. Or maybe they were looking to do those five with a new amount of intentionality. Would you like it that they were already doing good deeds, but now they were looking to do even more good deeds? Would you love that and you're like, yes, let's do that? Or would you feel a little bit in your heart like, well, maybe we should just Settle down a little and just, we were at a, a nice level of deeds there. Or would you think, as they aspire to show even more love, and because you know that showing love almost always comes at a cost, would you embrace that or would you want to just throttle that back? Would you be happy that this church was reaching for even more faith Or would you wish that they went back to what you already knew as a comfortable kind of normal level of faith? Because faith almost always comes with either a step of obedience where you cannot see the outcome or believing in something that you cannot see. And it's, in that sense, uncomfortable. Would you embrace reaching for more? Or would you be in your heart wishing that the church had just would not look for more faith, but just would go back to what you already knew as a comfortable level. If the church leadership felt that they should serve God more, to a larger degree, would you be skeptical and want to go back to a familiar level of service, or would you embrace doing more? Of course, far more importantly than what you or I think in response to that question would be, what does Jesus think in response to that question? And he actually tells us the answer in Revelations chapter 2, verse 19. Listen to what he said to the church. I know your deeds. I know your love. And I know your faith. And I know your service. And I know your perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. 
And I know that not only is Jesus just pointing out that he can recognize that they're doing more, he is commending them that they are doing more than they did at first. Because in the next verse, if you would read chapter, uh, verse 20, you would recognize that he says, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, I hold these things against you. So this he is commending them for. They, had, they were already doing those five things, and now they're doing even more, and Jesus loves it. This is not a matter of guilting people into doing more work when they're already maxed out in the church. This is a matter of realizing that churches grow. And I'm not just talking about in numbers on a Sunday morning. Churches change for the better even if what they were doing before was good. And this is not to insult the church of two years ago, as though the church was doing something wrong two years ago. This is not to insult the church of ten years ago because it was doing something bad, but it is simply healthy and pleasing to Jesus if the church desires to have more faith, if the church desires to show more love, if the church desires to show more service. And when the church wants to know Jesus even more than they did before. And to realize that mature churches, just like mature Christians, realize that they have not arrived. Rather, mature churches, just like mature Christians, press on and strain towards, straining forward, towards doing even more of the same. Pansy Chapel should be straining forward to do even more of what it's been doing for 50 or 60 years. Philippians 3 talks exactly about that. And it's written by this man that we know as the great Apostle Paul. And he says these chilling words in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this. And that word this is interesting. And you would have to do some research in your own Bible at home and read verses 7 to 11 to know what the word this refers to. If you believe what I am telling you, when I read verse 7 to 11, I know that he is pointing out to two primary things. He is pointing out to knowing Jesus and to being righteous. And Paul says that he has not obtained those things. He is saying he has not obtained knowing Jesus. He has not obtained being righteous. And yet we know that Paul, and he just said it, he knows Jesus and he is righteous because of Jesus. And yet he hasn't attained it. There is more achievable than what he had doesn't mean that what he had was wrong. But there's more! Let's read the rest of the verse. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Let me just point out one more time. 
Paul is one of the most devoted believers. He is a leader among the great apostles. And he realized that he had not arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. As we look forward to all that God has planned for us in 2021, it is my prayer for Pansy Chapel that where we are already showing the love of Jesus by giving our time, giving our money, taking care of widows and orphans, and managing His resources, and loving our neighbors, that we will do that more and more. It's my prayer that where we already know Jesus, that we will know Him even more. And where we already know Scripture, that we will strain towards knowing it more. And that where we are already making disciples, we will make them even better. And even get better at making them. And where we have already experienced the Holy Spirit and depend on Him, that we will experience the Holy Spirit even more and depend on Him even more. And as we do those things, I look forward to 2021 being a good year. And all of the people who wanted to know Jesus more said, Amen. Jesus, <laughs> what a privilege it is to know you. What a privilege it is to experience your Holy Spirit. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be on our knees before you, Father, the Ancient of Days. What a privilege it is to experience your love, to read your written word, to ruminate on it, to be able to hold it in our hands and study it and ponder about who you are. Jesus, I pray that in 2021, we would embrace these things and we would not be afraid to even reach for more. And all the more, Lord, as we see the day approaching, could you help us to not grow weary and lose heart? Help us to have our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him sat down at the right hand of God. Lord Jesus, you endured the cross. You scorned its shame because you saw something in the future that filled you with joy. Could you help us to do the same in 2021? Fill us, Jesus, with your 
an empowerment of your Holy Spirit that would allow us to experience that joy in spite of the worst hardships as we focus forward and look forward to knowing you even more. We love you, Jesus. And anybody who agreed with that said, 